Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Betty, Girl Band, the podcast. This podcast is supported by Tomboy X. Tomboy X fits who you are because fitting in was never the point. Tomboy X designs underwear to comfortably fit your body and how you see yourself. Fitting sizes from extra small to 4X with great fitting boy shorts and bras to swimwear. For 15% off your first order, use the code BETTY at tomboyx.com. And now, on to Betty, girl band. Remember when Emma Goldman said, if there's no dancing at the revolution, I'm not coming? Well, tonight we have both. Thanks to Betty, we have the music. And thanks to all of you, we have the revolution. Hi, it's Amy. It's Allie. It's Elizabeth. And together, you know this by now, we're the band Betty. When we started playing in New York, all of a sudden we realized that there was an actual career that a person could have. And how <laughs> do we go about... records. How, we could put out records and, and record them, although we, we still didn't do that until 1992. We didn't do any of that in the 80s. But there it was, 1986, and we went and had a meeting with a record label who said, you know what, you really need to be much more of one thing or another. You have to choose a direction. But we were still reveling in our freedom, and there was no one who was going to make They also stop. said it's not good for us to play gay things. We were defiant. We had decided that we liked being what we were, which mm-hmm. was Whatever a little wanted. bit of everything. We were having enormous success in D.C. and We started putting on our own shows. Our own shows in, in Washington. Um, started producing our own shows. Uh-huh. And we did concerts. like two nights at the Lisner Auditorium. We would go around town passing out flyers, passing out posters. Francesca Galliani would do amazing photo shoots That's with true. us. And, and Henry Hirsch. And Both Henry, of them did amazing photographs. pass out things. And, and it became like um, underground and above ground. And it was just something that everybody seemed to be having fun with. And we were having fun being DIY. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, maybe now <laughs> if we had been one particular band, maybe it would have, uh, one style, maybe it would have been different. I remember but. after the Lisner uh, Auditorium shows, we sold it out. We made a lot of money. And I remember rolling around on the money. Money. Um, <laughs> on your bed. Uh huh. And then we decided that we were going to go buy a van because we had enough money to buy it. Oh, you oh, bought it in cash. Mm-hmm. That's right. Little Debbie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We also was. made a film. That we showed before our concert, Michelle Parkerson directed it. Mm-hmm. I remember Betty. Mm-hmm. And we used to do all kinds of things like that all Whatever the time. We, we didn't care. We yes. did a remember my character. That one character who was kind of a gospel lady. And- I just remember Cat. I remember we did a song, I'm going to make you pay. And mm-hmm. I was like, I've got a great idea. It'll be at a bar. And we had a whole bar set and we sang the song like that. It's just whatever we wanted to do was so fun. Uh-huh. And we started uh, opening for lots of different kinds of people. Jane Sibri. Yes. Tony had turned us on to Jane Sibri. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we realized, what is this incredible music? Tell 
And then we had the opportunity to play with her. So we started, where did we open for her? Gaston, Gaston Hall, Hall in Georgetown. Right. And then we toured with her. Our very first tour was with Jane Sibri. Remember, we went to California and we played with her there. We opened for her. And we also... That's the first time you and I almost got arrested for um, not wearing tops on the beach. The <laughs> policeman came over to us because we didn't have a top on at the beach and said, do you speak English? And you said, yes. This is Allison. She said, yes, we speak English. What's And he said, you have to put on your top. We were indignant about it. We couldn't believe that we had to put on our top because in Europe, you didn't have to put on your top. And, <laughs> and why can't you show your boobs? And uh, we just got into it. And then we stayed out too long. And remember, your fa- you got really sunburnt. And that was right before the concert. That's right. And I was Palomino. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember after the concert, we all went out, Jane and us and the two women who were singers in the band. Mm-hmm. Rebecca. And we went to Cantor's Deli. And the woman who played Alice in the movie Go Ask Alice was there and sat at our table. She was a friend of Jane's. They say that you've been selling this LSD that you took. We don't believe it. Alice, we're going to swear to our belief in you. And I got super drunk. And I threw up all the way home on the airplane next to this little fifth grader who was there with her school. That's disgusting. I know. I felt really bad about it. No. I stopped drinking when my mom got ill, and then I stopped drinking later on. Uh. Yeah, you had some, you really lived the rock and roll lifestyle. I you certainly really did. did that. You certainly did. We all did, us. though, really. Not like you, my Not friend. like you, Elizabeth. You really lived the rock and roll lifestyle. <laughs> After 1010, I moved into this place because uh, I got a job at Record and Tape, mm-hmm. and I got a room from one of the guys that worked there. His mother was renting a room about two blocks away in Georgetown, and her name was and Vernon. Georgetown. I know. It was very, very, was very, life. very. Yeah. Her name was v- Vernon, and we called her Mount Vernon because she never left the place, and she only ordered booze in. Wow. It was really intense, but she was super nice, but she was always drunk. Maybe that's why she was super nice. Maybe. So she took me down into the basement <laughs> behind the boiler room in a little cave, I guess where somebody would have hidden in World War II. <laughs> and there was it was a room about four by four. My bed and my stereo fit in there. I put plastic on the walls because it was all moldy. And I was like, yeah, my bachelorette pad. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take you too much. I remember that I moved into a really luxurious apartment with Tubby. and Right after 1010? Right after 1010. It was kind of near New Hampshire Avenue or something. and the On most, 21st Street, the all-white apartment? Yeah. One time, Tubby made breakfast. One thing led to another. Maybe days went by, weeks or months. Underneath a pot was fried scrapple that he had made. And it was just there because I guess we went out every night or we just didn't make, you know, use the stove very much. And then I so remember... So it was like moldy no, and I had a life be, of its I own? Can, I can't even begin to describe the scrapple. Well, the, do you remember the that? Scrapple ma- chamber. Do you remember? Who found the mouse in the honey at 1010? Allison did. Did you? Do you remember that? I don't remember it. We set oh. it free. We set it free. No, no, no. Aim. It, it was, was dead. dead. No. It had drowned. It was shaking. It, it, no. No, no, no. Upside it had down. Drowned. drowned in honey. It had drowned in the honey. How ah, did it get... what how, a way to go. But how did it get in there? Because it was one of those bare things. Remember, with the squeezy top. Because they can collapse their bones and squeeze under To the something. little tiny hole on yeah. the top of a squeeze bottle That's of what is so, such a conundrum about rats Holy and mice. Cow. That's why they can find themselves in all sorts of different wonderful situations. I wish we'd have kept that. That could have been a really good... The mouse? Yeah, for the oddities. The oddities museum that will be the end of our career. And that the scrapple, too. We would have had <laughs> Betty oddities. Step right up. Hurry, hurry. Woman copulates with bulldog. See the results in a job. Oh!
Honey, I remember because I was still living at home, and I remember visiting both of you in your in your apartments, and you had that guy around the corner who loved giving you books. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And that was the apartment where you started collecting all those big, beautiful, gorgeous books. You mm. also had the wine guy. Yes, he loved, loved me too. He gave me lots of wine. You know, it's funny. Um, I guess that was just what you remember being at a certain time that you liked having these people around you for different things that they could provide for you as like opposed, now as opposed to now amy <laughs> that's kind of who me? you are i look at somebody i'm like what can i get no i know it's sad but true yeah when you look at people as ticket stubs but, but people, I, I don't, all, all i think all artists do that i don't think so i, I think, don't think so but i also doesn't don't? do that no uh-uh I think it's more about like how entertaining people are, or you know how how much they love. Well, that, yeah, of course. You but know, then when you, I yeah. mean, I took, uh, really among the three of us, I love that you try to buffalo in on, on Amy's thing. But come on, nobody <laughs> looks at things as as people more of as a commodity as Amy. Then Amy does. That's but I, I, I do. Wait, wait, wait I, do, I, I always leverage them for I do the band. I think you're lying. I think that you do actually think about it for yourself as well you guys are calling me a user but that's not what it is no you're not a user you're not a user it's, it's not different. it's just that i i think most people do that i think most people i actually I, I think i did it when i was younger we've always had patrons we and have. patrons are important for the oh arts oh my gosh how can you possibly exist as an artist with a long career in america without a patron it is impossible we've had many. other countries yeah you actually the government will support you because they believe in the arts they mm-hmm. think that the arts are really important for all people and sometimes those patrons come in forms of friends and fans or lovers or just people that want to hang out we welcome them all people, people who have helped us through thick and thin it's not necessarily about the money it's more about the validation oh, it's when true. you just don't know why you're doing what you're doing or does anybody care or if a tree mm-hmm. falls in the forest and you weren't singing are the birds going to chirp but or when, if it's just too hard because there have definitely been times when we're like listen we, we got to do something else because this is just too hard I and th- when people have stepped forward honestly i think the reason that we're, we've been able to get through the hard times is because there's three of us so when one of us is really throwing in the towel and down and out, not getting out of bed it's like why am i doing this the other two are like, come on. That's true. Or if two of us are like that, one of us is, you know, if I were doing it by myself, I don't I don't think I'd still be doing it. Mm. I mean, I would be doing it in, in a different way. In a different way. That's For true. sure. Tell me I'm dreaming. Tell me it always gets better. Tell me the truth now. Tell me we get it together. I'm There's something very strong about the pyramid, the, the three people, the triumvirate. The pyramid and the politics. And the pyramid, the politics, the fact that we got together in D.C. at such a rife time and how we all came together and we discovered feminism in, in, a, in a way and we were all basically living at our parents' house and then we came together. I remember mom came to our, one of our last parties at 1010. Mm-hmm. Everybody was on the floor. I think people were smoking pot and everything. And Growing just, up, yeah. Yeah, barfing. I mean, really. I mean, it was a crazy party. And she she came and she was supportive. I had just gone to the salon and got a beehive for that party. And I couldn't fit my hair in. <laughs> so I had to go in sideways into the car and then sideways into the door. Because I decided it was going to be a really good look because I saw a dress that would match it. And in my memory yeah, I remember that. of that party, That's funny. I, rem- I remembered that Allison lived at 1010 no, with us. No, no, no. But you didn't, No, right? I never did. I um, I didn't. I lived at home with my mom after my dad had left. I lived with her 
And I would just drive in, hang out with you all, and then escape whenever I could. Although every once in a while, I would, I would stay on your sofa when it got too late, and the mice would come out. Remember that? The little mouse would come out and go back out again. Amy would be sitting there with me, and I'd finally, I'd, I'd have to look at Amy and say, night, night now, because yeah. <laughs> you just wanted to talk and talk oh, Because and I was talk. probably so wired. You you know, I, I, I couldn't go to sleep. Yet, so I was like, yeah, I'm really like, yeah, I really like you. So that was the beginning of night, night, Amy, and then bye-bye, Bitsy was yeah. later on. Night, night, Amy. Yeah. Oh, God bless you. <laughs> The very first place I ever moved, the first roommate I ever had was you, Amy. Mm -hmm. Because when you got that fantastic place on Connecticut Avenue, that's where I moved with you. Uh Didn't you you give that that apartment to Urbishi Bad? Man, that was a great apartment. It was a great apartment. We painted all sorts of different sparkly colors. I remember Allison thought it was hot, so she decided that she was going to get us an air conditioner. Got us an air conditioner. And she carried it up 88 Mm -hmm. stairs and plugged it in. All by myself. the first time we were ice cold in a really boiling hot summer in D.C., and then hold on, and and at the exact same time, you had just discovered Devonshire. Devonshire. Devonshire, uh, uh, like Irish cream in those little tiny bottles. So we had like 12 little bottles set up, our ice cold air conditioner, you and me kicking back on our purple plush futon, feeling like queens. And then, <laughs> and I looked over, I smelled something strange. Sparks were coming from the cord of the air conditioner, yes. and a full on fire was full happening. Full on fire. So we and we a- had, for one second, we had to sort of judge are we cold enough that we're going <laughs> to keep the air conditioner on, or do we save our lives? And I sat in my apartment by myself. Oh, no, I had my roommate, David Bright who was the best roommate of all time and I had a cat named Peanut and I just sat in my apartment and sweated oh DC was so hot Elizabeth so gross and I vowed I will never live someplace this hot again ever when did we play music during all this we played music you know when we decided to leave the apartment Mm -hmm. (laughs) but we were still working we still had other jobs it was before we moved to New York and we had only did music well my favorite thing was that my job I was actually in graduate school as a graduate fellow at George Washington University teaching French that if you have a captive audience, you can definitely have a captive audience on stage as well. Yeah, you can make them buy tickets. That's they what had you to. Did. It was for extra credit. They would have to buy tickets. And then I just erased the extra credit. And I said, if you want to pass, you have to buy tickets to our shows. And they did. They absolutely did. There is something about performing in front of people not not playing music that's, that is so entertaining. And I, I feel that you were entertained doing that as a teacher. Oh, I mean, that makes you, perfect Allison. sense. The very first time I ever felt that was when I was playing basketball back in the Philippines. <laughs> when I was, <laughs> How old were you? When I went to the Philippines, I was, um, oh, it was, I was there from 8th to 11th grade. And I got on the basketball team. And I it very rapidly became the number one rebounder in all of the Philippines because I was easily twice as tall as everybody else there. I was, I was like 7'7 seven, seven in comparison. <laughs> so I just had to stand there and like pluck the ball out of the sky and be like, here you go, and hand it off to someone else. I was never a great basketball player, but I enjoyed it. I loved the, the sorority of it. I thought that was fun, and I like I love being on a team. You know that. I love being on a team. Yeah, you're a team player. I'm a team player. Team player. I'm a team you're, player. You're a clipboard whistle baron. Oh, team player. Know, for sure. Girl scout leader. But I would be running down the court. It was never my favorite thing to do, but I, as fast as I could, I ran down the court, and one time I realized that the elastic had broken in my shorts, and so as I leapt on down the court, my shorts started flying down, so I grabbed them, and just when I did, all of a sudden, all these people, because it's a big deal in the Philippines, the basketball you would play in a huge stadium like the Capitol Center and all these people started laughing and I realized every time I I would grab for my shorts I could make them laugh and everything changed 
I loved basketball then. Any foul that I did, anything I did, I did with one sort of like piece of my consciousness knowing that people were waiting to see what the next thing was going like to be. Like the Harlem Globetrotters. You were I the Harlem Globetrotter of the Born performer. Lunella <laughs> so, Globetrotter. Would you think that that was, if you had to think about it, was that the moment that you knew you had to be a performer? Or you wanted to be a performer? It was one of them, for sure. I definitely know that my life was different before the, that basketball game and af- afterwards was but, completely a different thing. And yes, there was something in it that was, there was a power, but there was an the excitement. Juice. There was just a thrill knowing that I was communicating without using words in a much more exponentially, in a larger way. It was phenomenal. What about you, Elizabeth? When was the moment that you knew you had to be a performer? Well, I was in second grade, mm-hmm. and um, my teacher made the mistake of Miss Spencer, Ms. Spencer at the time, mm-hmm. made the mistake of putting me in charge of the class when she left to do something. So I hopped on the desk and I started doing a striptease. And I had the class in the palm of my hands. And I realized that if you take off your clothes in front of a lot of people, they're like in it. And as I was pulling my little undies up, I think <laughs> the teacher came back in. Oh, yeah, so insane. I cannot believe this. You got in trouble for that. Story. And mom was actually true a teacher story. at the school. I know, my mom taught, it, our mom taught at the school and she wasn't having it. And oh, I got in so much trouble at that school. I, I, I think I was just insane as a child that you, that's always been kind of who you are you're like you go to the naughty whatever the naughty is you want to do you're yeah, compelled I mean, it, it to wasn't do it. about like i was naked who cared i was in third second grade no you're in third grade no 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 second. third grade was mrs lee yeah i was in fifth grade i decided that for the school this is when we were living abroad i decided that i would put on a show so i basically regurgitated um, the Prince and the Pauper and Funny Girl, was it a combination of those two things? No, it wasn't a Funny Prince Girl, the, but... Prince and the Pauper and some other uh, some other show and rewrote it. And so I wrote it, starred in it, cast it. We performed we it, at, it at it. an assembly. Oh, that's brilliant. What was it called? Do you remember? I, I don't remember. Oh. Probably it's called Amy, you know. <laughs> exclamation <laughs> point. A- exclamation mark. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt that and at all. it was a rave success. And I probably, if I had just written it and I was sitting in the back smoking a cigarette or something, I wouldn't have... Smoking a Tootsie Pop. Tootsie Pop or Charms Pop. I wouldn't have had the bug. But because I was also on stage and I looked around and my eyes were just darting mm. back and forth and I said, yeah. This but is, also, we... We grew up in a family that always sang. I thought everybody always sang in their house all the time. Right. That's how we we naturally went into the music thing. And Allison, how did you get into the music thing? Well, my dad loved music. He had probably to this day the most diverse record collection that I've ever. I remember, and the reel to reels, right? He just loved music so much. So I mean, there were, it was definitely part of our blood and part of our food. It's just that we weren't performers. But you couldn't sing at the table, right? Well, you yeah, you weren't allowed to sing at the table, and we had a lot of rules. Really? You know, we were we were. A State Department family with lots and lots of rules. We did. We only had a couple of rules. You couldn't. You couldn't sit in the living room. What do you mean? <laughs> and you couldn't. You couldn't sit what do you mean? You couldn't sit in the living you, room. You couldn't sit in the living room. You couldn't because that was for company. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you couldn't okay. eat certain certain things because that was because that was for company. Yeah. And what, did you have a lot of company? No. No. <laughs> we never had company. <laughs> Here we are at the carnival. Laughing and singing and shouting, we're shouting, shouting, we're shouting, lots to do at the carnival. You never know what's going to cause you into making you into a performer. I think once you do get that taste of it, mm-hmm. then you kind of need to keep getting it. You keep chasing the dragon. At least that was our case. I Definitely. Know that. Do you think it's because something's missing in you? Yeah, you need some you kind need, of like, affirmation. You need more attention? Because I know I, I needed more attention because I was a third in line. But I came after you, and you were perfect. Mm-hmm. 
perfect in every way. You know, my mother was really sick. She had multiple sclerosis while I was growing up. And I know that there were a lot of rules in my house and there was not much joy in my home. And when there were times of entertainment and I could be part of them, creating that joy was food that I, I didn't have. And that's why it was important to me. So I think you're always looking for something else. Entertainers and artists are looking for something beyond what we see in this world. Your mom was sick the whole time you were growing up? or mm, she, got, she probably was, but she only really became visibly sick when we were leaving Denmark. And so I remember little. that we went to the, we had, you know, you had to get your shots and stuff before you traveled back to the States. And it was in a, um, I guess it was a hospital, but it was run by nuns. The classic nuns with the Sister Betrayal hats oh, and wow. the, like the black like and the white. Nuns. Yes, like the flying nun. And they were trying to be chipper and nice, but it was horrifying. My brother and I were absolutely horrified. And I remember the nun slash nurse walked me past a room where I looked through the arched doorway and my mom was lying on a table with all these nuns around her and one doctor and she was crying and that's the first time I realized something might really be wrong but I didn't know for for a while what it was I don't know whatever uh, second grade your mom was like super she was really Phi Beta Kappa and a dancer and a a professional like she was like a super whistler right? yes she was she was a champion whistler Mm. she was a champion tennis player Mm. she was a champion ballroom dancer Mm. she was Phi Beta Kappa she was brilliant and and she was just this brilliant artist and and thinker an amazing person and beautiful Mm -hmm. and yet so tortured it was really unfortunate it was really really a rough life she had such a rough life and I think that a lot of times when I'm out here love living my life and loving what I'm doing and and speaking up for women a lot of times I'm doing it as I think a lot of women do mm. I'm doing it for my mom you know Alison, she, did she I just have one thing to say is that if something in your brain had gone a little bit differently you'd be a nun now instead of being a performer because that could have been a very seminal moment for you and I'm not <laughs> <laughs> music has always informed who we were um, what we were and where we were going not really <laughs> really more like more like booze and pills <laughs> but we're also sort of like the mafia betty we oh. envelop you and we never let you never go. let you go as much as you want to leave yeah. once you're in you're in just when i thought i was out they pulled me back in oh my gosh you all used to date some real winners some real winners and some great people that i really do care about well the first time i ever slept with a woman for reals is when i was living in vernon's house please don't tell you it was vernon it wasn't Vernon. Okay. <laughs> it was Maria. Oh, we Maria. got super drunk at. We were flirting, flirting, flirting. Because she, she worked at she worked record at record and tape. tape. Yeah. And then when we went to have drinks at Mr. Henry's out back, then she came back to my that room. Your plastic room. Yeah. Room. My, pl- my plastic yeah. room. The room behind the boiler room. The eraser head room. And we made love all night long. And the next day she was going to the beach or something with Henry Hirsch. And I just remember floating on a cloud. I finally understood what all those songs were about um, i understood what people had talked about like with the boyfriends and how they felt and and all the writings and the poetry it all made sense oh, cliche, you know what i remember yeah. it's one of the one of the bright memories of my life i've got to say it was we had the most horrific breakup at kramer's after about seven almond whatever those almond, almond eyes. joints almond can we talk about almond eyes one second yes. the, literally the best cocktail of all time of all time ice cream time. i still think about it ice cream amaretto Vodka? Mm-hmm. Oh my. In a big, gosh. beautiful, beautiful Blended, brand- brandy brand- sniffer. Blended, brand- blended, blended in a brandy sniffer. And, and, sh- and to this day, at Kramer Books. They Kramer still Books have it. in DC to this day. But what's great is that it was a dessert, happiness meal, mm. <laughs> cocktail, Ambrosia. 
Uh, all roiled into one. And, all in one. And it really Late got, night, early morning. Yeah. yeah Any time you wanted. <laughs> and if you had two, you were definitely desperately ill for the rest of the day. So but wasted. You couldn't have just one. Yeah, but you couldn't have just one. That was the conundrum of the Almadies. Because you know why? <laughs> because if you were I having still think one, then others somebody would say, I would have a sip. I am screaming. Choco, choco, vanilla, vanilla, berry, strawberry, butter, wrinkle, butterscotch. Choco, vanilla, vanilla, berry, strawberry. We could have gone a more traditional route. We could have just been one kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it would have been a lot easier, maybe. Well, Every time we went and saw a record company, that's pretty much what they told us to do. But and we all the managers, easy. y'all remember we were never all easy. the managers we had. We had a lot of them. We probably have had 28 managers. And people would come up and say, oh my gosh, you all are the best thing. This is, I'm going to manage you for a while. I remember the one guy. Holly did his drink. That was the sound of his beer cans opening. And so we would just be like, all right, see what you can do. And each one of them said, listen, if you just be like this, if you just be like that. If only. We just couldn't do it to this day. We've never been easy. Over the years, a lot of people have given us a lot of advice. If only. We could do. What everyone suggests. You girls. Could be so. If only. You would. Sing more. Sing less. Talk more. Talk less. If only. You were more feminine. More feminist. Less feminine. Less feminist. If only. You. Had a band. Lost the band. Lost the weight. Lost the attitude. Went solo. Really? If only you dressed up, down, did more covers, more originals, more or less, less is more. If only, if only, if only you did what we tell you. You could, you could be. If only, if only, if only. We've never been conventional, mm. and I think that was. We all thought it was a badge of honor. Absolutely, I wanted to be entertained. I wanted yeah. to be entertained while we were performing. I didn't think that it was a liability. In retrospect, people have led us to believe that it was a liability that we were uncategorizable. Yeah, but I liked but, being uncategorizable. Yeah, but here we are. Here we are. We're still here. Come on, who else is doing the podcast while the sirens go by? <laughs> Only Betty. You. That's right. All of my girlfriends and friends. I think all of that, that would that was true for all of us. They would have to have a band title. So they would drive us. They would provide something for us. They carry would the equipment. Carry the equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for me, always somebody had to carry my cello. That's just the way it is. Yeah, you've never carried your cello in 33, longer than that. Yeah. You know, Forever. But, you've well, never carried your cello once. Everybody wants to be helpful. I think that's part of the Betty aesthetic. People know that they are a major part of us. Well, it's the only reason we're still here. Mm-hmm. I mean, DIY means that that's that's who keeps you going are the people that come to see you it's not necessarily the easy route that we've chosen but it's it's the route well maybe it's the route that chose us Mm. i don't know if we set out intentionally to choose something different or make a statement we just were doing what we thought was good and what we thought was true to us and what was fun yeah and feminist and it was also very exciting still in new york and i remember as betty we got to do a lot of very cool gigs for instance back at dc space we did an a, a spoken word night with essex hemphill um marlon and Wayson jones and, and Wayson jones it was mm-hmm. so chris prince oh i guess mm-hmm. marlon riggs was just there mm-hmm. like, as filming and it was the three of three women and the three men and we were talking about being on the edge in DC as African-American people, as gay people, as straight allies, as as people who, as Jews, as people who didn't fit in the same regular conventional Mm. construct. And it was a great, great night. It was one of, lots of this. Yeah, it was one of the best nights of my life. It was Mm. so, it was so super cool and super interesting. And Essex Hemphill was so 
he's always been such a such a hero oh, in he the was community. A I think we built. wanted to also create something that was a safe space for people when they came to enjoy one of our concerts or happenings or something. We wanted everybody that was an outsider to feel like an insider, mm-hmm. and for everyone that was an insider that things were maybe easier for or whatever they needed to feel a little bit outside to come and be welcomed i don't know if we necessarily thought about it like that i think that's what happened it was like a cult thing it was totally a cult thing and people enjoyed each other and the experience we were finding an immense amount of support in our community in washington and when we traveled around and at this point I think I had my first girlfriend, Anna. Hey, this is Anna Paji. It happened one summer evening at a rooftop party in Washington, D.C. when I first met Amy. Betty opened my life to music and adventures and new friends. Though the love affair with Amy and I ended after a handful of years together, I had fallen madly in love with three amazingly fun women who will forever be my family. Anna's so beautiful. Anna's so wonderful. wonderful. I thought Anna was the nicest person in the world until I met her mother. Right. You know, I was conflicted because I didn't know exactly what I was supposed to be doing it at, at that time, especially since you had a girlfriend and you announced it to mom, and she kind of wasn't having it. Kind of, our family she wasn't, wasn't having, having it. it at all. So I thought, I, Wait, I thought, didn't she say something to you? Uh, yeah, like, I thought that was terrible. So I went home one weekend and I said, you know, mom, Elizabeth told you about her girlfriend. She needs you to tell her that you love her and it's okay. And mom said, well, it's not okay. And I said, that's not an option. For she you. wasn't having the Leslie thing at all. I said it wasn't an option. So we went through the whole weekend. That was just our conversation. And then as I was going home, she put her arms around me and she said, oh, you know, I'm just so glad it's not you. And you, 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 you. And this is when you'd already been with, you'd already been with Anna. I'd met her and I don't know if I was, I don't know if I was You'd already been with Anna. That's why it affected you so much. I'd already been with her and I, but I still had my boyfriend and I was just kind of going back and forth for a second And or you two. know, I'm, I, st- I think you probably still have a little tiny bit of that guilt. No, I don't, because before she died, we talked about it. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. What happened? We talked about it. You know, before then, I was always confiding in her about every boyfriend, about every date, about everything. Mm-hmm. And then when I started being with women, I stopped talking to her. So she asked me a question about somebody that come over to the house or something or somebody. And this is right after she got sick. And she said, she said, well, you don't talk to me anymore about things. And I said, well, I'm afraid because I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint you. And she said, you could never disappoint me Uh ever. I love you forever. And as long as you're with anybody that cherishes you and adores you, then that person is right for you. Uh, see, no, so that's what at you least want. I was so lucky to have that in yes. my life. Yes. So many people that have struggles with their sexuality or come out or are trying to find out who they are, they go through, you know, trans or gay or bi or, you know, even asexual, asexual, whatever. It's really hard for people if you don't have some kind of support or affirmation saying, Absolutely. I believe in you or it's okay, mm-hmm. you know. It's true. And it's I think true. that when you have that kind of freedom, then you have the freedom to really express yourself, whether it's painful or whether it's celebratory or whatever, but your music reflects it. And I also think that's part of what we do as a band. I think that it's part of a part of our job to get up there and say, you are who you are, exactly how you are, and that's the way you're supposed to be. I know when we're doing pride festivals or wherever it is that we're playing, that we're saying that. We're saying, look, we can be freaks and jump around and have fun on this stage, and you can too. You're great the way you are.
Girl Band Podcast was recorded, engineered, and produced by Elizabeth Ziff in her studio in New York City's East Village. This is what Betty remembers, so accuracy is suspect. Music clips and other credits. Nikki Weavers, Gloria Steinem, Chain Reaction, DC Dog Betty Demo 1987, courtesy Allison Palmer Archives, Cat Betty Live at the Bitter End 1989, The Walking by Jane Seabury, clip from the 1973 television film Go Ask Alice, Wolf Woman by On Beyond Zebra at George Mason, courtesy Allison Palmer Archives, Carnival by Betty from the album Carnival, Overwhelmed by Betty from the soundtrack of Betty Rules, The L Word in French sung by Amy Ziff, unreleased, Harlem Globetrotters theme by Axel Kolstad, clip from 1990 film The Godfather Part 3, Shrink Back by Betty from Hello Betty album, if only recorded live from the off-Broadway show Betty Rules. You just listened to episode 5 of Betty Girl Band. Don't forget to rate, review, and tell your friends to subscribe. For concert and other information, go to hellobetty.com. Ta-ra for now!